0: Welcome into Shat Talk, the People's Sports Talk Podcast, with your host, Bradley Shatra. This meeting is being recorded. And we are back with the Shat Talk NFL Podcast and today we got some things to talk about because over the weekend football got a little strange we saw the kansas city chiefs lose their second game in a row the dallas cowboys on monday night i mean they manhandled the philadelphia eagles the new england patriots looked brutal against the new orleans saints there's a lot of questions over there in new england right now but where i really want to start today would be the dallas cowboys versus the philadelphia eagles game on monday night Now. There was one thing that I did notice about the Eagles is that, you know, a lot of questions about is Jalen Hurts the answer? Is this the guy for Philly? Is this the guy that they're going to move forward with? And I'm sure that's going to be answered throughout this season for the Eagles. But last night he was pretty good. I mean, 25 for 39, 326 yards with two touchdowns and two interceptions. Now, he did miss some open receivers. He did miss some throws that he probably should have made. But I also think the Eagles, as a team, really didn't play well. There wasn't a ton of separation with his wide receivers on that Dallas defense. I mean, or, yeah, on that Dallas defense. So, I mean, he's not perfect. He he has some room to grow, obviously. But, I mean, I think he spreads the ball around. He's a good leader. and, And you look at what he did last night. Nine different Philadelphia Eagle receivers caught a ball. Now, that probably suggests that there needs to be a clear-cut number one, which there really is not in Philly right now. And I think that's kind of playing its part. And that's why you see so much of the ball being spread around. A lot of people assume maybe Devonta Smith would step into that role as the number one wide receiver. He hasn't yet to do that. He had a good week one. And then week two and three here, he's kind of taking a step back from what he did in week one after scoring that touchdown. So we'll see if he can step up at some point this season. Jalen Rieger's also a first-round pick that they took after C.D. Lamb two years ago, and he's definitely not their number one either. So Philly's got an issue right now with... The guys that they're drafting aren't stepping into the roles that they're drafting them to fill and obviously it's it's a tall task to ask Devonta smith to step in and be a number one right away in the nfl but it's it's simply why they picked him i mean it was a clear need for philly they had to boost up their wide receiving core and they made that decision to bring him in and right now it's it's not paying off it's not coming to fruition now To me, it's really about their defense in Philadelphia. I mean, the offense has its holes and it has its issues, like I just said, but the defense in Philadelphia is brutal right now. And there's just no resistance. I mean, it felt like first down after first down, and they're awful against the run. I mean, at least last night, they were terrible against the Cowboys run. Ezekiel Elliott was getting whatever he wanted the minute he would get a block. In between the tackles, Tony Pollard has really been able to step up and accent him very well. He was doing his thing last night against that Philly front seven. So, and they were hesitant to bring the safety down. Seemed as though they were really focused in on kind of playing that zone and not getting beat deep. But it was a recipe for disaster because the run was setting up the pass. And all night, the Cowboys just did whatever they wanted offensively. There really was not a lot of resistance, and that is a huge factor in Philly's struggles against Dallas last night. And I think what their struggle is going to be throughout this season. Now, they started pretty hot. I mean, you saw them beat the the Atlanta Falcons, and then they put up a fight against the uh, San Francisco 49ers. So right there, I think they came out and kind of surprised some people, like, wait a second, maybe this team's a little bit better than we originally anticipated. And I just that, that had not been the case, at least not last night. And I think overall, it's going to kind of come back down to level and we're going to see why this team just isn't ready to take that next step as an organization, because they were the class of the NFL. I mean, what, five years ago and how far they have fallen. You don't have the same quarterback anymore. They fired the coach and it, nothing is going right in Philly right now. And another thing, I don't know what the heck their coach was thinking with those beat Dallas shirts. Uh, usually when you see somebody do that, they're they're trying to grab for something to, to latch onto and to get the team going. And I've never liked it. I, I think most people who try and do something like that, go out in the media with it, make it public, usually get beat. And it, it continued that tradition in my head, at least last night, because the Philadelphia Eagles did not not even come close to beating the Dallas Cowboys. And really, you think about it, they had that fumble recovery it was only one touchdown for that Eagles offense they, they they just weren't able to get anything going weren't able to have a flow whatsoever and, and it became tough to watch now like I said Hurts wasn't great but I think there's something to work with there with him he has to I mean he has to improve kind of making the throws that he should consistently make like i said there was a few last night that you thought all right that's something he's got to convert on that's where the philadelphia eagles are looking for him to take that next step as a quarterback but overall i think he has some really good things to build off of he can move really well he can uh, throw the ball well on the move and he makes things happen with his feet i mean he he can pick up first downs he he can get you that yardage to give you a, a second and four or a third and two he has that ability but it's one of those things where it's the overall roster in Philly. They have to improve as a team. Their defense needs to get much better. I don't know about their wide receiving core. I think they've already tried to address that two years, a go, two, uh, two years in a row, I meant to say. Their tight ends really aren't bad. Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, that's a good pair right there. And Zach Ertz is the number two at the moment. That shows you how good their tight end pairing is. The offensive line really needs some improvement. We need to see that. And it shows in their ability to run the ball, at least against Dallas it did, because it, they just nothing could get going for Philly last night, and that's why the game got out of hand as quickly as it did get out of hand. Now, I think I misspoke. I do believe they had two offensive touchdowns, but either way, just a brutal showing. And when you look at what the Cowboys were able to do, I mean, it's becoming apparent that the run setting up the pass is the way to go for them. It, it, it was very effective against the L.A. Chargers, who are... Now, I mean, you see them beat the Kansas City Chiefs. That's one of the better teams in the league. And the Cowboys were able to squeak out a win against them. And it it all started with kind of Zeke getting it going, getting in the end zone there, Tony Pollard doing his thing. And then we saw a carry over to Philadelphia where they just dominated on the ground and it allowed Dak to not have to be the savior. He didn't have to do it all. He didn't have to throw the ball 30 plus times. He threw the ball 26 times last night. I mean, if if that's not showing you that the run is setting up the pass, allowing him to be efficient, which he was, there was a a in the game where he had nine straight completions i believe 14 out of 15 he was rolling last night dak looked very comfortable and obviously that's kind of a testament to the poor defense of philly but overall i think dak prescott is is very impressive this season when you consider what he's come back from i mean where he was just a little while ago with with that gruesome leg injury having to rehab himself back there was a lot of talk about him coming into this season is he going to be healthy is he going to be able to get back to the deck he was before he went down and personally i don't see any difference i think it's been incredibly impressive the way in which he has come back from his injury and been able to be comfortable from the start i mean even in that first game of the season you saw dak hanging in the pocket to, uh, for his first touchdown of the year he even left the pocket for a, for a run i believe he was either on the right or left side i mean don't get me wrong my heart dropped when i saw that because you, you don't want him putting himself in harm's way but he, he can still do that it shows the confidence it shows that it's not in his head and like i said about the run setting up the pass Zeke elliott last night had over 100 total yards Tony Pollard was a great accent piece all night. He was able to come in when Zeke was tired. You know, you see sometimes Zeke can break off a big run or a few big runs in a row, and he kind of gives the wave like, all right, I, I need a rest. And Tony P comes in, and it doesn't seem like there's much of a drop-off. If anything, it seems like it's kind of the same level. They just do different things well. They're not the same running back, and that's why they accent each other so well. Uh, it's a no-brainer to bring Zeke in when you're in the red zone, when you're, when you're trying to get into – into that end zone but tony pollard's a guy that can really kind of create some momentum on a a drive break off a few good runs maybe catch a pass in a wheel route and take it for 10 11 12 yards He's been really good for them. The running game has been really good for Dallas. And although Dak was incredibly impressive against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers week one, that was part of the game plan. I think that was the plan they had going into the game was we're going to have to go pass heavy tonight because we need a lot of points and their run defense is one of the best in the entire league. And you saw it. I mean, it was not a lot of usage of Ezekiel Elliott. He was great in the blocking game. He was awesome for Dak all night. He embraced his role in that game, but it's one of those things where Dak can do that every here and there. He can go out and he can throw that ball 40 or so times and really impress you. But it's one of those things you can't make it become the normal. It can't become consistent. And it has not in Dallas. And in over these first three weeks, you've really seen a good balance based on their opponent as to how they're going to play that night. Now, last night. Like I said, he only threw the ball 26 times. Dak was 21 for 26. He had 238 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. And one thing that's really impressed me has been his decision-making. I mean, he only has two interceptions in these first three games, and he's really been able to take care of the ball. I mean, you see when he rolls out to the right, in these games he can really throw the rock on the move i actually think that might be where he's most comfortable is rolling out to that right side giving himself some extra time while those linebackers chase him and then throwing a dart making an accurate throw it's been one of those things where we've seen multiple times you saw cedric wilson in the end zone Uh, you know i'm trying to think of another time amari cooper's caught a few balls with dak rolling out to the right he's been really good i mean not necessarily putting up numbers to suggest he's been really good but he's been there for Dak when he needs him and that is extremely important I mean one of the better route runners in the league he allows Dak to make somewhat of easier passes than normal if it wasn't Amari Cooper I'm sure it wouldn't be the wide receiver wouldn't be as open and that's obviously helping Dak convert on these third downs convert in situations that he really needs to but After beating the Chargers and dominating the Eagles, I think the Cowboys have made a statement. I really do, because you, like I said, you didn't know what to expect coming into this season because you didn't know if their quarterback was healthy. And now that it's very apparent that Dak is, I mean, he's more than healthy. He looks great out there. He looks comfortable. He looks like he's made some strides. Uh, in his game or at least been able to build off of what he did at the start of last season because Dak was not the issue last season he played well i mean he, he really was was able to play well for the cowboys in those first few games and then he went down but i think they're a good team and i think it's very apparent right now that the nfc east is theirs to lose they are the best team in that division and it is theirs to lose you're going to have to play those teams multiple times. Obviously, the Eagles are going to get one more game. You still have to play the Giants twice. You got to play the Washington football team twice. But at the end of the day, the Washington football team has really been a letdown defensively. That was supposed to be kind of their bread and butter. That was what they were going to go with, what they were going to be able to build off of. And the front seven mixed with the secondary just as a whole, that defense through these first 3 games hasn't been as good as we expected them to be. So that's worrisome for Washington. They really might struggle if that's not going to become their identity, because that's really what impressed a lot of people last year. And with the quarterback troubles that they're having over there, Fitzpatrick's hurt. Taylor Heineke is a good player, but he's not necessarily the guy that is going to be able to, I don't know, give you that surprise season in a sense. So there, that's a team that's kind of struggling to to figure out who it is or, or their winning formula. The Giants have really struggled through these first three games. They're a team that I expected a little bit more out of them than we've gotten. Uh, Daniel Jones continues to kind of be an up and down roller coaster. There's one week, there's some weeks where he's really, really good. There's just some weeks where he's just really, really not. And that is kind of the, I mean, he's not the issue in New York at all. I mean, it, it's been their kind of coaching mixed with roster construction, everything, but there's no way around it. This is the Dallas Cowboys division to lose. They should be a playoff team this year solely because of their division. And we'll see what happens when they make it into the playoffs, because anything can happen at that point. You saw them hang with Tampa Bay week one. I get it was only week one, but that's Tom Brady with the same exact team he had as a Super Bowl. So I thought it was very impressive. It shows that they can hang with a team like that if they so need to. But overall, like I said, NFC East is theirs to lose. And if they don't win it, it's an it's I mean it's an incredible underachievement in my eyes. Now you move over to the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're kind of scuffling here, and it's something you really didn't expect with this team because two straight Super Bowl appearances. Patrick Mahomes, they've got the same core: Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, all those guys. They brought in and, and improved their offensive line after two of their. And most important offensive line, and weren't able to play in the Super Bowl, you bring in a guy like Joe Dooney, you bring in a guy like Orlando Brown Jr., you figure, all right, I mean, this team's even a little bit better than they were last year, and they made the Super Bowl, but that just has not been true through these first three games. Now, they have a tough schedule. That's one thing we need to acknowledge with the Kansas City Chiefs. They have played a tough schedule up until this point they had the browns week one then they played the ravens then they just lost to the chargers so it's not like they're playing they're losing teams to or losing games to necessarily teams that are by far inferior opponents but they are the top dog and all of a sudden they're one and two scuffling out of the gate here and in a sense playing from behind to start the year now yes i think that you know the chiefs are going to be okay i mean nobody's saying that they're going to fall off and, and you know they're done so it's it's week three i mean it's way too early to say something like that but there are some uncharacteristic mistakes offensively that are occurring you see mahomes with three interceptions through three games that's just not characteristic of who he is i mean that's going off of zero interceptions against the browns so there was two in one game one in the other uh, He he's kind of just trying to do too much in a sense i mean it, just speaking off of last Sunday, when he made that no look pass over the middle, yeah, it was a great play. Uh, that that receiver or tight end, I believe it was, was wide open. But at the same token, it was a throw that was behind him. It wasn't an accurate throw. So. It was asking for maybe a mistake to be made or, or going to have to be a really solid play to turn your hips like that, still make that play and continue what feeling he was not able to do that. It goes out of his hands, ends up in an interception later on in that game. Travis Kelsey, I don't know if it was a miscommunication on the route or what, but it was a throw well over Travis Kelsey's head. He really didn't have a chance. And that was a costly turnover against the Chargers. And it's one of those things we are just not expected you don't expect that from the Chiefs. It's been kind of a surprise. And, you know, they're getting momentum shifting plays. You know, they're getting those kind of, all right, now it's time to blitz them. Now the Chiefs are coming, momentum shifted, now they're going. We saw it in week one. They did it to the Browns. They were able to finish that off. But then week two and three here, they've had kind of the opportunity to play that movie again we've all seen the movie with patrick mahomes with the ball in his hands last few minutes chance to win the game and he has not been able to convert that in these last two games now it's not all on patrick mahomes but when you're a guy with that talent level that has shown everybody you have the ability to carry your team when it matters most you are going to take a a, the brunt of the blame and that's just because that's where you you are the head of the organization. You are the guy that everybody gives the credit to when you're winning. So when you're losing, he's going to get a brunt of the blame. Now, his right now. He usually uses certain guys in certain roles, and it works. He uses Tyreek Hill for the deep completions, the momentum plays, and it works. He uses Travis Kelsey when he really needs a third down conversion, or he really needs you know, the right route ran, and he knows he can rely on Travis Kelsey. He uses McCole Hardman sometimes for a little surprise kind of momentum shifting play. But Tyreek Hill the last two games has not given them the production that is expected from him. I don't know if to blame that on Mahomes or Tyreek. But it is an issue right now. You look at the last two games, Tyreek Hill has eight catches for 70 yards and zero touchdowns. I mean, that's a first half for him. It is. I mean, you think about what he's capable of doing in a football game. That's just a first half for Tyreek Hill. And the run game, it's been less than ideal because it's kind of taken a step back from week one. We saw the 100 total yards from Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and then it's kind of taken that that step back it's been pretty much about 100 total yards in week two and three combined so that's taken a step back he's a guy that they need to be able to get him going because patrick mahomes can't just get a first down passing the ball every single time he can do it the majority of the time but clyde edwards helaire needs to fill a role for this team he needs to be moving those chains in times of need because let, let me tell you if you're playing the kansas city chiefs and their run game is moving the ball you are in deep trouble because that passing game is going to get going. Like I always say, the run sets up the pass. So in that situation, that's one of those things where Clyde Edwards-Alaire can be the engine to this offense. He can be the guy that kind of gets the wheels turning, gets them going. But their defense is by far the biggest problem right now in Kansas City. It's glaring. It is a glaring issue in Kansas City. They were. It's surprising because they were able to get a win week one without the Honey Badger but you look over three games here, they're averaging 31 points per game against. That is, I mean, that that's that's asking your offense to do an incredible amount of work every single day to overcome your inability to just limit the points against. You know, four sacks in three games, that's just not going to be enough for the Chiefs front seven. You're not putting enough pressure on the opposing quarterback. They're getting the time that they need to throw it, and it's becoming obvious uh, outside of the honey badger, it's just the secondary really doesn't have much talent. It, it, it's one of those things where it's apparent that receivers aren't necessarily scared of the Chiefs' defense, and it's becoming apparent that teams are not know that that is the way to beat them. Score enough points at the end of the game. You simply have to make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable. You have to put him in a situation where he needs to make all the plays. And sometimes you're going to get an uncharacteristic turnover. We've seen that two, two weeks in a row, but it, there's no way around it. This defense is hindering this Kansas City Chiefs team. And, I, you know, I think they needed this. I think the Chiefs needed this to kind of get grounded, come back to earth. I think they're about about to rattle off five or six straight. I know they have the Bills in there, but I think the Bills are kind of coming or the Bills have this game at a really bad time because the Chiefs are going to really get back to business. Next week they have the Eagles. They're going to try and get have a get right game, really push the ball down the field, be able to take advantage of how poor the Philadelphia Eagles defense is, and then they march into Buffalo for a game that could really spark their season, really lift them off, make them back into the Chiefs, or it could make you go right back and say this defense is hindering this team. It, it could go either way. You know, it, it could be a really really momentum killer or it could be a momentum rocket ship it shoots them off into being the team that we all know they are but the biggest worry is the defense late in the season in the playoffs it feels a lot like 2019 i mean this defense might be the reason that this team is not able to reach their goal or or able to go where they are where their aspirations are to go and that's the super bowl there's no way around the chiefs have super bowl observations every single year they brought back their core like i said to keep them intact, to keep them giving them a chance to make it to the Super Bowl every single season. They are the best offense in the AFC. It's just the fact that they might be one of the worst defenses in the AFC as well. And it shows you, I mean, you spend all this money on your offense and all of a sudden you look at the defensive side of the ball and it's just not that flashy. It's just not good enough. But like I said, 2019 has the feel right now of the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's, that's, that's a, that's a team that, really should have made the Super Bowl if you think about the level in which Patrick Mahomes played at, but the defense just could not get stops. They couldn't get stops on third down and it ultimately results in them losing to the New England Patriots that year. So we'll see what's going on with the Chiefs. We'll see if they can kind of get this right, see if the defense can play a little bit better. But overall, they have a first place schedule. They're playing a lot of tough teams like they should be because of the success they've had over the last two weeks. But there's a problem in Kansas City and it starts with the defense. Now, let's move to the most surprising team so far in the nfl and for me that's the uh, that is the las vegas raiders i almost said Oakland, but that is the las vegas raiders and the reason i say that is because i thought they'd be a decent team but i didn't think they'd be three and oh to this point i didn't think they'd be able to beat the the baltimore ravens and they've shown a lot of heart i mean they've, they've been able to really execute in big moments they have played two overtime games already and they have two wins in those two overtime games John gruden's is doing a heck of a job with the offense. You see Derek Carr really starting to excel, really starting to feel comfortable and and just exceed expectations. I mean, he's been awesome for the Raiders so far through these first three weeks. Darren Waller is one of the better tight ends in the entire league. What a pickup for the Raiders there. That's just John Gruden kind of knowing the talent of a guy, knowing that he has some baggage in his past, but taking a chance on him, seeing if he can come in and. and, and just execute for his team and he's been able to hunter renfro is a guy they looked for on third down he's a guy that really can make an impact for them and it's been fun to watch their run game because josh jacobs has been hurt peyton barber last week goes off for 111 yards the next man up mentality these guys i mean this team has more than one guy that can step up offensively for them and we've seen that through these first three weeks the defense even plays well they're not necessarily the best defense in the league but they are a defense that in important moments have been able to get really important stops have been able to get really important turnovers namely the lamar jackson fumble i mean that was a very important turnover after just turning the ball over on that previous drive it's a way to pick up your offense when they don't necessarily you know when they make a big mistake like that the defense picked them up got the ball right back and the offense did not make another mistake they went down executed and won that game so the raiders to me have been the most surprising team so far and you look at where they're at in their division, they can make some noise. I mean, obviously, Kansas City's probably going to come roaring back, but the Raiders have a real chance at a wildcard spot, and they have a good team. So I would not be surprised if they win a game or two, maybe just a game. But either way, I, they're really taking steps, coming into what they wanted to be eventually under John Gruden. That's why he had a long-term contract. He said it was probably not going to be very pretty the first few years, and all of a sudden they seem to be taking that kind of next step as an organization, not the tip, not the top step, but they are taking steps. They are getting better as an organization and they're heading in the right direction for sure. And then you look at the most disappointing through three weeks to me, that's either the Patriots or the Seahawks. Now the Seahawks have been disappointing in a way that late in games and the usage of DK Metcalf. Sometimes he's had some, he had a big week one, I believe he might've even had a big week three this past Sunday but overall in week two, he was not their guy. But they do have Tyler Lockett. So you see Russell Wilson just kind of throwing to the open man. They have a talented receiving core, so DK's not necessarily going to be the best every single week, but they're a team that you expect to at least go two and one over their first three games. They are one and two. They play in a rough division. So starting one and two is very much less than ideal. Cause now you, you got to play the Rams twice. You got to play the Buccaneers twice. You got to play the Cardinals twice they're they're really putting themselves in a tough spot and i think that they might not be able to make it out from this because of the division in which they play. you know if they played in a division like the nfc east even the afc east i think they they'd probably be able to make it out and save their season in a sense just like the kansas city chiefs have a chance to do But, man, the Seahawks are in a real tough spot now starting this one and two, and they're going to have to play their division throughout this season. So that's less than ideal, and I I think they might be one of the more disappointing teams overall this season. And, obviously, I mentioned the New England Patriots. They're just a team that they looked awful against the New Orleans Saints in week Uh, three i mean it it was brutal to watch the offense couldn't get anything going the run game couldn't get anything going mac jones really struggled to throw the ball downfield now i've heard some football guys suggest that it wasn't all on him and maybe his wide receivers ran the wrong route the offensive line wasn't good but at the end of the day some of those balls have to be converted and they weren't mac jones struggled to throw the ball 20 30 yards down the field it it was evident and the, the interceptions came from that they got behind early. I mean, their defense did a decent job. As much as people want to bang on that defense in New England, I thought they kept them in a game they did not deserve to be in. The way in which that offense played, they should not have even had a chance to win. And for most of the day, it was within one or two scores. So the defense did their job, at least keeping them with a chance, giving them a chance. I mean, the Patriots got the ball back down a touchdown. They had a shot, but or they didn't get the ball back, but the Saints got the ball and then scored another touchdown. But either way, at one point late in the game, it was a one score game and the Patriots defense, that was namely because of them because that could have gotten out of hand in a hurry and they did not allow that to happen. It was the offense that really let New England down. Just no continuity, uh, no no run set up the pass, nothing. Damian Harris was barely involved the whole day. I don't know if he got benched or what happened there, but he was not out there as much as you would have liked to see him out there and Mac Jones just did not play very well, and it it makes you think, what is going to happen next Sunday? I mean, you've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off a loss into Gillette Stadium. Bill Belichick, it's a big game for him. It's a big game for Tom Brady. We all know the history. We all know that there's egos there. It's going to be one of those games that does not feel like a regular season game, and to me, I think it's going to be a huge letdown, and I hate to say that because Entertainment-wise, I was very excited for it. I was very excited for the chance to watch Tom Brady take on Mac Jones, take on a Patriots team that did a lot of work in the offseason to get better and potentially kind of give them a run for their money. I didn't expect them to win, but maybe keep it close. And I don't even think they do that now. I think it was the worst possible week that they could have had before a game of this magnitude. I think it's the worst possible game Mac Jones could have had before a game of this magnitude. And it's going to show because that Bucks defense is not going to allow the Patriots to run the ball. So Damian Harris will yet again, most likely not be a major factor in the game. And that's when you look at Mac Jones and you wonder, can he make it happen? And I just do not think he can at this point in his career. I think Mac Jones is going to be decent. uh, And I wouldn't have said that about two months ago. From what I've seen so far, I think he can be a decent quarterback. But not right now. Not right now. There's a lot of work to do. And I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are coming to town at quite possibly the worst possible time for the Patriots after that week three debacle against the Saints. I mean, it was ugly. You can call it a trap game. You can call it whatever you want. They couldn't move the ball downfield. So it's it's tough to look at the bright side or maybe, you know, think maybe this team can really make a run because, I mean, a run at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm saying, I, I just don't see it. I don't see them having that ability. I don't see that them being a team that, that can even keep this game close. I, I think it's going to be early and often for the Bucks. I think the Pats secondary is really going to struggle with, with guys like Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, who wouldn't, but obviously I think they are. Uh, maybe they can stop the run and, and kind of put it into Tom Brady's hands, but is that really what you want to do? Do you really want to put it in Tom Brady's hands at Gillette Stadium? Now, there is something interesting I want to touch on when it, Belichick is going to be, geared up for the game and so is Tom Brady but you got to think about the fan base here I think this is one of the things that's really interested me so far is who are they going to be cheering for because you you think oh well Patriots fans are die hard. I I I would kind of beg to differ you know how many jerseys I've seen that are half Buccaneers half Patriots Tom Brady jerseys just say you're not a Patriots fan and I get it. You like Tom Brady. You should. He won six or seven Super Bowls for your team. He was incredible. Maybe it was six. I don't know. Either way. He was incredible. He he is the greatest quarterback of all time. I get it. But when he's traded or when he signs with somebody else, I should say, he's no longer on your team. So to go out of your way to sew a half Tampa, half Patriots jersey just tells me, yeah little on the fence there you're not all in on the Patriots and that's one thing that makes me wonder because I think most Patriots fans right now want this team to build into what they were or at least build into a watchable product they want Mac Jones to be good they want him to be their next guy but they're also rooting for Tom Brady and I don't blame them for that but now that Tom Brady comes to Gillette Stadium and you saw such a horrible performance in week three where Mac Jones just simply did not look ready to take on a bigger load than what he has the first two weeks, and I mean that in the simplistic game plan, handed off, check downs, dinking and dunking. I just, that's not what's going to work against the Buccaneers. You maybe can try and have ball control, keep the ball for a while, have these long drives, but is Damian Harris going to be able to run well enough for you to do that, to run a clock like that, to get the first downs necessary to make that happen? I don't think so because of the way in which the Bucks defense is is structured and how good they are against the run. Now back to my original point though. Are people going to be cheering for the Patriots or is it going to turn into the Tom Brady show? Because I think there's a chance if for the second week in a row the Patriots lay an egg and Tom Brady goes out there and is incredible, throwing touchdowns left and right and really dominating the New England Patriots, I think it could be bad news for Bill Belichick and to the Patriots organization because I think a lot of people would start cheering for Tom. I think the majority of the fan base would kind of say, wow, this is sick, and I miss this guy, and we should have this guy. And all of a sudden, that place is turning into the Tom Show, and it's turning into cheering for Tom Brady. I don't think Bill Belichick wants that. I don't think the Patriots want that. I think they would rather put up a good performance, have their fan base into it, have them cheering against Tom Brady in a sense, you know, just because he is the opposing quarterback. I'm not saying forever. I'm not saying, oh, you shouldn't like Tom Brady. I've made it clear. You should be a very big fan of Tom Brady. But I do think there's a chance here. If he walks in there and he mollywops the Patriots, you could see a lot of those Patriots fans turning into his favor just for the day. And I think that's bad news for Belichick because he moved off. This was his idea. He wanted to get onto a second quarterback, build this dynasty and give them their second guy, give them another quarterback that's going to give them chances to be a successful organization. And right now, I'm not going to say Mac Jones isn't that guy, but right now it's not looking like It's going to happen anytime soon. Let's put it that way. It's going to be a process. It's going to take a few years if he's able to do that. But overall, this Sunday could really be telling. It could be telling if this fan base is kind of out on Belichick in a way. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that are very upset about it. But I am going to say right here that for the people who, you know, you have that half Tampa, half uh, Patriots jersey, or if you're going to the game and you're like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll get I'll cheer on Tom Brady when he's out there just because, you know, I really do miss. I get that. I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, like a diehard Red Sox fan. They traded Mookie Betts, who was my favorite player in the MLB. If Mookie Betts came to Fenway Park right now, I would absolutely be rooting against him. Very hard, very hard. And I know that, you know, maybe that's not the way you feel, but I think that if you're gonna be a fan of a team, you should be rooting for that team through and through. It's just how I am. But I I think it's going to be telling this Sunday because I think it could turn into Tom Brady show. And I think it could turn a lot of this fan base against Bill Belichick, which is quite possibly the worst possible outcome for him. Now, that's really all I got for today. I thought football this weekend was pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed watching the games. I thought there was a lot of action. It was fun to see Odo Beckham Jr. get back out there for the Browns. That's going to be really interesting because I think that's going to really allow them to take a step as an organization into being a true test to the AFC, being a true contender here. I thought they were in week one without Odo Beckham Jr., and now with him back in that offense, there's all sorts of possibilities. We saw what they did to the Dallas Cowboys last season with Odo Beckham Jr. in there when that offense started to get rolling, so we'll see how they use OBJ because he's a very multi-talented guy. He, he has a huge effect on the offense, and it, it seems like Baker's in a better spot in his career. He's not going to try and force feed him or or sacrifice the flow of the offense to get Odo Beckham Jr. his balls. I like where the Browns are at. I really do. I like Odo Beckham Jr. getting back in that offense. I thought he looked good in his return, and it'll be interesting to see if he can continue to build off that and by the end of the season if he's Odo Beckham Jr. again. But overall, like I said, great week of football. It's going to be really interesting to see Patriots versus Buccaneers. I will have Ben Catino on here at some point this week to talk about Patriots versus Bucks, maybe Jamal Harris as well. But I want to get both their opinions, ask them some questions, and and frankly, get it out to you guys on YouTube. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and I will see you next Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in and spending some time with us. Make sure to stay posted for new episodes and content. This show was recorded at Rhythm Room Studios in North Smithfield, Rhode Island by Nick Cloutier. Cloutier Productions, LLC.